Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to this championship edition of the Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter. We're going to take a quick spin through the week's news, evaluate the dynasty futures of some of the players who were eliminated over the weekend, and take a look at one key matchup in each of this Sunday's games. But first, Denny, I mean, the big news, uh, the greatest player in league history was informing the media on Monday that he has been informed that he has a family. That they are apparently worried about him taking hits and that the man who would never retire, Tom Brady, is supposedly actually contemplating retirement. What do you think? He's talking seriously about it. Not only that, uh, Bucks head coach Bruce Arians came out Monday and said, um, we we have to have a contingency plan and we're putting one in place. I would I would have thought that they could have thought about that earlier, considering their quarterback is 44 years old. But Apparently, uh, you know, it seems it seems to be something that the team is is prepared for. Uh, but the this this uh, notion that Brady and he said this in his interview on Monday uh, or on a podcast, he said uh, this notion that he's be, he's being hit too much to continue. He's taking too much of a beating in the pocket. It, that it's it's not correct. It's just not that <laughs> doesn't it doesn't hold the water at all. Uh, no quarterback faced low, a lower pressure rate this season than, than Tom Brady. He was sacked an average of 0.7 times per game. Wow. He has, he has the, the best. Are you serious? Uh, Is that a real stat? That's a real stat. That's 12 <laughs> sacks in 17 regular season games. So what happened here, it seems like, is that he was sacked three times <laughs> against the Rams in a loss and he, he now is considering retiring because it's just the physical tolls to now maybe three sacks on a 44 year old body feels like, you know, 20 sacks. I don't know, but uh, it, it is, it is something that he's, he, he's citing that, uh, that aspect. You think he's just subtweeting his offensive line. He got sacked more than twice in a game one time ever. So now he's going to talk about retiring for two months. Right. It was a motivational tactic to his line. It's a motivational uh, tactic to uh, right, uh, to uh, right tackle Tristan Werfs, who uh, had <laughs> literally uh, a tendon came off the bone <sighs> in, in his ankle. He, he tried to play and he couldn't Brady saying you may, maybe you should have, we don't know. Yeah, I just looked up and said Brady has taken 32 career sacks in 22 years, so it does seem maybe a bit uh, overkill from him to be considering retirement. He gets sacked about once and a half per season, it looks like, for the past two decades. So yeah, that's, and that's and, and there's also there's also this, and I you know you can't help but notice when you watch Bucks games, guys don't want to hit him. They don't. It is true. 
they don't want to be the guy to hurt Tom Brady. And I get that. I'm not, it's not a criticism, but you know, when with other quarterbacks, guys will put their whole body weight into a hit. Yeah. Like they want to injure Josh Allen and drive a guy right into the turf as hard as possible. Yeah. the, The goal is to hurt the quarterback with, with Brady. Sometimes they'll pull up halfway through a sack. They'll pull up. And and just and just and just kind of lay him on the on the grass. It's it's incredible to watch. Yeah, like he's sitting in like the royal box at Wimbledon or something, and they're like <laughs> doing something very faux pas. You know, they know they're supposed to. I'm sorry, Mr. Brady, I am supposed to sack you. Coach says I'm supposed to sack you. Right. Um, but I don't want to. Uh, the thing is, like, I got a little alarmed that he might actually retire when Bruce, Bruce Arians had been like tweeting through it for a while. He's like, no, there's no way he's going to retire. Like he was just like kept posting like, no, Brady, not retiring, <laughs> dumb, stupid. And then Monday, yeah, he was kind of, all right, well, maybe he's, hold on a second. He's You're right. Like, hold on this one second. He's like, all yeah. right. Um, yeah, we believe in Kyle Trask. We believe in Blaine <laughs> Gabbert. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's the thing, happen, actually. You know, Kyle Trask, who they drafted last year, was inactive, was a healthy scratch the whole year. Like he's bad. I'm a Mizzou fan. I saw him play Mizzou once or twice at Florida. He's bad. They they don't they don't have anybody on their roster who could possibly be their quarterback. So it would be it'd be a, a really rough situation for everybody in that offense if Brady walks. Well, they're gonna trade for Aaron Rodgers after he retires. Oh my I gosh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Nevertheless. <laughs> Uh, by the by, the way, uh, he he was sacked twenty two times this year, not twelve. Uh, really, twelve would be almost. Not trying to like live fact check you on air, but it was uh, just in case you're listening and thought oh. twelve sounded impossible. It it was uh, twenty two is still almost impossible to be I, frank. Like that's I apologize shockingly that. few. But so yeah, I mean you can see why basically now he's already retired if he got sacked twenty two times. I mean. Man, uh, all did, right. Well, th- did he? Are you, just, are you trying to say, by the way, that the Brady's soft? Is that what you're saying? The guy has played football for 22 years. No, no, definitely not that. Uh, but yeah, but, unfortunately, Brady is very. You can't even joke about that. Like Brady is, you got to give it to the guy. He's definitely not soft. No, he's no. many things, but soft is not even close yeah. to one of well, them. Well, okay, all right. Yes, you're, and and I see. So Brady's sacked 22 times. Uh, Daniel Jones, who played in 10 games, was sacked 22 times. Um, he was uh, Brady's sack total was around Jacoby Brissett's, which Brissett played in nine games. So it, it is, it is something where I, I, I believe uh, Brady is being well protected, and I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that his uh, the the physical toll of of being sacked and being hit in the pocket is the the real reason. I think the real reason is this Bucks team is can only go down from here. Well, I think the real reason is this that he should. I mean, he's 44 and like he can obviously he's already proven his point. Like he's already won the argument. Like he like, all right, yeah, fine. You can like do this forever. Uh, but I mean, kidding. He like does. It seems like his wife, Giselle, like t- genuinely does want him home. Like maybe it's time to go home, Tom. Maybe it's time to I go. Guess. home. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I really I really do think because they, they got the band back together for this season to make another run. Uh, you know, back to back. I, I I really believe he would have retired if he won this year. Yeah, um, he he just should. There's no reason for him to put his body through it anymore. It's not like he, he can't. There's no there's no amount of Super Bowls that he can win at this point. There's no like change the argument, change the calculus. Like he's already 
at least in our lifetimes, I mean, no one's going to like debate who the greatest quarterback is. I mean, no, it's going to be annoying, but like he's he's just clear. I mean, the argument's just over. Yeah, he won the argument. He should just go enjoy life. He beat um, he beat Patrick Mahomes head to head in the Super Bowl. So yeah, that, that's that, that's the end of that argument. Even if even if Mahomes goes on to to win multiple Super Bowls, uh, if, even if he feels a whole ring, uh, I'm sorry, a whole handful of Super Bowl rings, it'll still be well. He lost to Brady. And, and even if Mahomes catches him, Brady will just unretire at age 54 and win one more and then just retire again. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibilities, you know. Denny with the coaching carousel now in the second interview stage. Bills OC Brian Dable could be the favorite for the Giants' job after New York hired Bills assistant GM Joe Schoen. I don't know how to say his name yet. As general manager. Dable is also drawing strong interest from the Dolphins. Uh but you think he'd be a really good fit with the yeah. Giants. How would Brian Dable remake this Giants offensive attack? Yeah, it's, it, I, I believe it's Joe Sheen, and I was corrected on that, by the way. Yeah, Sheen. I mean, you don't really have to learn how to say GM's names. You only no. have to write them. You don't say them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I think Dable to the Giants makes a lot of sense. There's the Sheen connection. Uh, there's the fact that the, the Bills – offense uh you know looked incredible in the in the postseason after after some early season struggles you know they they really really got back to uh putting tons of points on the board putting tons of yardage out there so dable to the giants would be uh it would instantly generate 100 stories about is daniel jones the next josh allen um which he's not but yeah i mean we're gonna write about it though the answer is no but but you know in looking into Dable's philosophy and his and and the way he handled uh, Josh Allen and the Bills offense o- over the past few seasons, I I would I would be very bullish. I'm I'm sure maybe you would too on this Giants offense because despite Jason Garrett and Joe Judge not being able to do anything with these players, they are objectively good players. You know, Daniel Jones has has shown that he, I think he is a viable quarterback. Uh, you have uh, Kadarius Toney, who was electric when healthy and given a full complement of snaps. You have Saquon Barkley, who I, I, I don't believe the, you know, the idea that that he's he's already done. I mean, he has not reached that that age yet. I know he had the, the major injury. I think that he'll be fine in the long run. You have Kenny Galladay, who, you know, not good this year, very good in previous years. So, a, a lot of skill possession, skill position players that Brian Dable can can work with, and I believe that he has like uh, an organizational commitment. He demonstrated this in Buffalo, a, a commitment to kind of replicate the things that quarterbacks did best coming into the NFL and have done in the NFL. So instead of forcing a system onto the quarterback. They, you know, they take the strengths of the quarterback and and they accentuate it with their game plans. That's what he did with Josh Allen. So the Giants are still gonna have a lot of weapons. Like you said, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard, if he can recover from what is a very, very serious knee injury. Kenny Galladay, you know, has been really banged up the past two years. I want I do worry if maybe Kenny Galladay is kind of like Hakeem nixing a bit, like breaking down before his time. Mm-hmm. Just maybe he's taking too many lower body blows, but a lot of intriguing pieces on offense, even with those question marks. But Daniel Jones, I mean, Daniel Jones has 45 touchdowns and passing touchdowns and 38 career games. Like that's like you're that's like you're playing in like the early 70s, basically. <laughs> like that's a touchdown rate that you just don't really see in modern football. And 
the skill set isn't true, but part of the skill set too, unlike Josh Allen, Daniel Jones has never had any interest in throwing deep. Like despite his proclivity, I can't say the word. Proclivity. Proclivity. Despite his penchant for turnovers, he's not a deep ball thrower at all. Unlike Josh, like he just doesn't want to throw the deep ball. He never, he didn't throw it again last year, even though Kenny Galladay was in the fold and the project will be just a lot tougher for Brian Dable than even Josh Allen was. And Josh Allen was quite a project. As yes. I remember, those first two years. Yes. But his his raw skill set was still you know, more impressive. Daniel Jones has an impressive raw skill set, but Daniel Jones is coming out of Duke. Like his arm was just known as just like mid-range, whereas Josh Allen was known as like oh, Uncle yeah. Rico, like literally throwing the football <laughs> over the mountain. Like we knew that he could actually throw the football over the mountain. So, and Dable, I'm always it's always interesting. I mean, he had pretty undistinguished stops. Zoomers won't remember. I mean, Brian Dable was a coordinator in the 2010s for the Browns, for the Dolphins, for the Chiefs, all like horrible versions of those teams. And then he went back to Bill Belichick finishing school. He started at Bill Belichick finishing school early in his career. He went back to Belichick finishing school. Then he went to Nick Saban finishing school. It has been an elite, genuinely elite coordinator for the Bills. So interesting hire, but Daniel Jones, I just don't know if anyone can save Daniel Jones. He might be in Darnold territory at this point. Possibly, yeah. I, I wouldn't discount that. I, I just had a couple more things on kind of Dable's approach. So uh, his flexibility and willingness to uh, adjust to his players' strengths can be seen in uh, his – as an offensive coordinator at Alabama, he had basically a 50-50 run pass split there that split became a 67 33 in buffalo last year uh so he and and this is something this is a quote from when he was hired uh as the offensive coordinator for the bills the a reporter asked you know can you explain your offense describe your offense what what, what are the keys he said my offense is different every year again it will it will constantly change based on what we think our players do best uh, i think that just to have one uh, I'm sorry, just to have one, you know, here's the playbook and this is what we're going to do. I think that we have to evolve every day. I mean, I think that that says it all about about how how he has approached making an elite offense out of with Josh Allen and, and the Bills. And th- this comes from a Josh Allen Bills led offense that looked quite bad for, for a couple years, you know. Yeah, that's basically like a lab-created type quote you'd want to hear from your coach talking about offense. But the only thing I'll say, too, is how much of this, I wonder, is Sean McDermott, who seems to be a brilliant coach, and how much is Brian Dable. But, I mean, it's hard to hear that quote and think that it's not Brian Dable and that he probably does actually deserve a lot of the credit for the Bills' offensive success and turnaround the past two years. So no no doubt that after years of hiring like literally Pat Shermer – uh, Brian Dable would be a, oh. he'd be a nice step in the right direction for the New York Football Giants. So. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, j- just as, as far as personnel packages, the Bills obviously use way more four wide receiver sets than the Giants this year. They also use significantly more three wide receiver sets. Uh, so it would be a more spread out. Uh, I, you know, I would think that it would be more spread out more pass heavy type of offense, but you know, he said it changes every year. So we'll see. It'd be interesting too. If he doesn't get the Giants job, if he did reunite with Tua Tagovailoa and oh. Jalen Waddle for the Miami dolphins, um, that would be, yeah. they don't have as many compelling weapons as the giants do. And Tua, I mean, Tua is, he's a strange prospect. Still don't really know what to think of Tua, but I, it would it, be a very I, interesting fit down in Miami also. 
I'm uh, I'm no Daniel Jones truther, you may know, but I I actually would would say that Daniel Jones is a more inviting prospect. You'd probably rather yeah. bet just on Daniel Jones's physical profile still, right? And his physical just do throw deep every once in a while. My Please. God, man. Um, Denny, you took note of a little noticed Mike Tomlin quote a few weeks ago that he would like Ben Roethlisberger's replacement to be more mobile. Like he was, it was a pretty direct quote. I can't remember what the exact quote was. You can share it with us when I'm done with my spiel here. But the offseason's list of free agent quarterbacks does not have many viable dual threats on it. You highlighted one of them that you think could maybe get a second chance from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it just it just kind of came to me, uh, it, it, you know, out of, out of the blue, Marcus Mariota to Pittsburgh. Let, let's let's you know get steam behind this. I mean, Start the uh, yeah, T- Tomlin said. Um, uh, I can't find it right now, but yeah, I mean, he said he that just, he it, said, mo- I think he said mobility is a much sought after trait yes. in quarterbacks right now. Yeah. AKA people want mobile quarterbacks. I am now one of those people. I, after and, watching Stonehenge for the past five years <laughs> and Ben Roethlisberger, he wants a mobile quarterback. And, and he also in, in his uh, a season ending press conference, Tomlin said several times in almost awkward ways that, uh, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, uh, had to had to deal with what he was given with the with the hand he was dealt. You know, we we, yeah. we can't we couldn't do certain things because of our personnel. Obviously, this is a subtweet of Ben Roethlisberger. It was barely it was more of a quote tweet, really. Yeah, and it's funny. He also, I mean, Tomlin did see up close the benefits of mobility because I mean, it's not like Ben Roethlisberger was ever a scrambler, but it's hard to remember now. I mean, he was kind of noted for his pocket mobility in his yeah. prime and like being impossible to take down, being such a good pocket mover, someone who would actually take off and run occasionally. He was, no one would ever claim he was a dual threat, no, but no. he was definitely mobile for his size. And yet Tomlin, he has not seen that now in probably half a decade. And he wants, yeah, again, yeah. someone who can actually move. So, yeah. So Marcus Mariota is a, is a free agent. Uh, I I'm guessing that you could, that the Steelers or whoever wants to sign up could sign up for very cheap for a very, uh, um, you know, low, low risk deal on the team's end. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it would be a win-win for everybody. And it'd be kind of a, too, a perfect situation where if they do want to draft a quarterback, say, say, so Kevin Colbert is retiring, but he's staying through the draft. He was comfortable taking a pro a prospect out of Miami of Ohio and Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe they want to take someone they think needs a little more time to develop. He, a perfect guy to pair him with would be Marcus Mariota, who was kind of it seemed like just a different player in Las Vegas, even though he barely played. Two two of the 18 biggest rushing performances of his career came as a Raider, yeah. even though 22 of his 264 career carries came as a Raider. Basically, when he came in, he was like a heat-seeking missile yes. as like a rusher. You know, that was one of the biggest criticisms criticisms of him in Tennessee. Like, why does this dude like never run? Isn't he supposed to be a dual threat? And he would just never ever run it. He seemed maybe it was because he was coming off the bench, like had to make the most of his plays. But he seemed like he had a totally different mentality in Las Vegas. That's right. I I, I agree. We didn't even we didn't talk about this at all before the show. But I, I I remember watching him a few times this year and going, since when is Marcus Mariota such a badass? I know. Yeah, I, I, had I know. No idea. He seemed just way more jacked up than he did in Tennessee. <laughs> in Tennessee, he was like 
like Sam Bradford asked, like basically you like could not elicit an emotion from him. Right. And with the Raiders, yeah, he was like you know, banging his helmet into like brick walls, basically. I'm I'm all for it. Let's let's uh, let's get this done, Mike Tomlin. Yeah, let's get this done. Pair him with a young quarterback, and yeah, let's do this thing. Denny, it is the off season, which of course means it's time for Sean Payton coaching rumors. Yes. Do you think that he is finally serious about moving on? It's supposed. It sounds like he wants to like work for, for like Fox or something, like call some games next year. Right. Maybe like pull an Urban Meyer, like recharge a bit, like watch some games, send out a few subtweets from the broadcast booth, and then get a new job in a year or two. Do you think Sean Payton is going to be coaching the New Orleans Saints in 2022? I really don't. I really don't. I, I think uh, this season – Winning as many games as they did, I think they did. They end up winning nine. Uh, they, I mean, they, nine, I believe. I think they did go nine and eight. They, they nearly made the playoffs, very close. That is that is an unbelievable coaching job to get that team that far. I mean, if they made the postseason, who cares? They would have been beaten right away. But Demolished. yeah, but uh, I, I, that that team, you know, personnel wise, injury wise, salary cap wise, that team's in hell. Ian Book wise. Right. I, I, I just can't imagine him wanting to come back. There's never been a better time for him to, to jump ship, including when Drew Brees retired, when, when he retired, the team was not in uh, the, the, the sort of uh, desperate straits that they are right now as a franchise. I, I, I think he's gone. Yeah. I mean, the, the mentality in America, like we could kind of like view him as like a quitter, quote unquote, but it would be like well earned for him to like take a break after. Yeah. He, he was so set in his routine with Drew Brees and this such a grinding season. This is yeah, like a total looks like maybe like going to be a top to bottom rebuild. The saints need to embark on. He's almost 60. He's an elder statesman coach. He actually has earned that right to not like suffer. I think only Bill Belichick like would enjoys this kind of thing. Yeah. Like suffering through the, the years after the legend retires, like, Sean Payton would be well within his rights to like, yeah, you know, just maybe let me chill a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, take a year or two off, then come back like Bruce Arians to like a team that looks like pretty close to compete. And let's get his second. He, he's given everything he's at that could be reasonably uh, requested to the New Orleans Saints organization. I don't think he would be a quitter if he took a break right now. Absolutely not. I mean, once Kevin James plays you in a movie, I yeah. think that you can go ahead. <laughs> And call it, uh, call it quits. I, and and he'll be back. God, I mean, it, he'll be team, back for sure. I mean, teams would, would do anything to have Sean Payton. Uh, and if if he takes a year off or whatever, a couple years, uh, he, he'll certainly return. And I'm sure he'll have a lot of success wherever he goes. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's a situation even where like Saints fans would be mad at him or like regard him as a traitor. It's kind of like the same thing. Tony Larusa retired in St. Louis, and then it was a lot much later. But he came back to coach the White Sox last year. People like weren't like bitter when you when you give like so much to an organization. I think he's to the point, even with a really intense fan base like the Saints, like that they'll understand and they won't hold it against him. And then Sean Payton will be allowed to live his best life. Yes. So Sean, uh, yeah, you do you do you, Sean. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The NFL playoffs are here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It is easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you use NBC Sports Edge Plus. Four more teams were eliminated from the playoffs over the weekend, and we thought this might be a good time to assess the dynasty futures of some of the players who are now golfing, Denny. Some of the biggest names in the league are on this list, and I think we should start with the biggest, Derrick Henry. Every fantasy analyst on the planet this offseason is going to be telling people to sell high on Derrick Henry. Like there's gonna be people like, you know, posting this as like unique advice. Like, you should sell high on Derrick Henry. And we know every single person, understandably yeah. so, is gonna be saying to sell high, not even sell high at this point, sell Derrick Henry in Dynasty. The player's gonna be 28, who has 900 carries over the past three years. But Denny, is there any contrarian case for keeping Henry around, like riding him to the wheels fall off on your Dynasty League team? Or should you indeed be trying to, to trade Derrick Henry in Dynasty? I think there is, and and I I don't say this lightly, uh, but you know he he just turned twenty eight years old. He has a ton of mileage. It's a different kind of mileage. And in in uh, researching and writing uh, the piece I wrote on Derrick Henry back in the summer, uh, I talked with a couple beat writers for the Titans who who pointed out they both they both pointed out the same thing, which is that uh, Henry delivers hits. He doesn't really take them. The, the and then later on I reached out to them about the foot injury they said you know they pointed out it's not it's not soft tissue you know it's not a hamstring it's not a calf it's it's not this stuff it was a it was kind of a freak foot break you know and that sort of thing happens so I I really I really do think there is a a reason that he that he could once again uh prove the exception to the rule uh because honestly, the the kind of workload that he's had over the past three seasons, he's all he's already like a vast exception uh, uh, to the rule, and the team is is dead focused on keeping him uh, upright, keeping him healthy. They uh, they they have a whole program during the season where they focused on you know uh, on on making sure that he's okay, making sure that he's a hundred percent for game day. They they understand that it's a unique situation. The whole offense still runs through him. I, I think there is something of a case, especially because who in your dynasty league is going to trade anything worth any real value for Derrick Henry at this point? And that's the thing too. Just when it comes to trading someone like Derrick Henry's situation too, just remember the, the fact that even just one more year of Derrick Henry could be far more valuable than whatever you get in return. Like. You, you can get a first round pick and then like me use it on Jalen Rager or something, you know, like, <laughs> like just remember that too. Like if you're selling at least make it for like young players that you believe in, yeah. you're going to do it, but like, don't do it. Like just because it feels like the thing you have to do. And just it, in dynasty, sometimes there can be this mentality to like, always like get out, it's like stay ahead, like get out once it, it's totally fine to just like run some players into the ground with your team and just keep them, uh, to the bitter end, basically, because your team just could be better for it. And even just one year, 
of Derrick Henry that could be so much more valuable than whatever package you get in return. So, of course, if you get a really good offer, if you get some young players you really believe in, then it might be just kind of a no-brainer to trade him. If there's someone like me, like making the calculus like me, like, well, I'd rather just win in 2022 and have Derrick Henry. So I'll make a good offer for Derrick Henry, then take it. But, yeah, you, it's, it's not – this is not a situation where it's like to get whatever you can for Derrick Henry. Yeah. I, I, um, so his teammate, Julio Jones, I think is a, an entirely different story, uh, you know, because because of the kind of injuries and the kind of time missed uh, and the deterioration that's that's very clear. I really don't think that Henry's deterioration has been has made itself has made itself crystal clear. Does, does he have three years left? Probably not. But I think that there's every reason to believe that he has at least one, possibly two really good seasons left where the Titans are going to treat him like they treated him last year or two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, man, that's the thing. If he stays healthy, he's getting over 300 carries. So it's just like. Right. Uh, and even if he, so yeah, even if the age curve continues to catch up with him, like that doesn't really matter if he's getting that insane of a workload. He's still going to be a huge Dynasty League asset. So, uh, yeah, just it's not black and white with Derrick Henry. What is black and white, apparently, Denny, is that within seconds of our Sean Payton spiel, he has informed the Saints that he is supposed he's he's retiring. He's what he claims. Oh, well. uh, so he's not going to be coaching the Saints in 2022. Uh, he's supposedly retiring. I mean, come on, man! Like, just, just say you're taking a break. Stop. Like, not not a soul on earth that believes you're actually retiring. Just uh, say you'll be coaching the Dolphins in three yeah, years. It's just it's kind of embarrassing to claim it's a retirement, but it's fine. He's not going to be coaching the Saints in 2022. So that's the way this business works, folks. Sometimes you talk about something, yeah. and then it's within quite literally seconds. It was not irrelevant. I think our our talk still like holds up on. Oh him. yeah, sure. Um, I do. I do think that this raises serious concerns and questions about uh, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. As oh, uh, who's my, as Michael favorite. Thomas? I'm going to look up that guy's pro football reference. I don't even he, know who that is. Right. He last um, played in 2002. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, no, <laughs> you know he's. But yeah, I mean, without without Sean Payton, with no with no quarterback, I, I guess Taysom is signed for years and years and years, and mm-hmm. is going to get you know billion dollars but that's a really bad situation for both those guys it was a bad idea to give uh, Taysom Hill the entire Federal Reserve Bank of New Orleans I don't know how that's going to work out for Sean Payton's successor it was questionable it was questionable <laughs> it was questionable. It was first guest at the time boy yeah, Alvin Kamara he was someone who's kind of running on fumes and tw- I might be more concerned about Alvin Kamara and Dynasty than I would Derrick Henry uh, just a guy who was really never been, you know, the three down back until last year. He wasn't good in the role. There were a lot of factors that were beyond his control. Uh, But I would say it looks a lot bleaker the next two years for Alvin Kamara and Dynasty than it does for Derrick Henry. So so, something I I didn't mention when I was uh, talking about Ezekiel Elliott on a podcast a couple weeks ago on on this podcast was, uh, was that Alvin Kamara kept popping up around Ezekiel Elliott, as far as like elusiveness and breakaway rate, uh, it was it was it was concerning. I mean, that it 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 seemed to me that that there has been a step lost, and perhaps it's injury related. Perhaps it's the fact that defenses have only have to focus on stopping Alvin Kamara without any real other uh, other weapons in that offense. I just got a text from my Dolphins fan best friend who. So first off, every group text I'm in. 
is basically just lulling at the notion that Sean Payton is actually retiring. Right. And my Dolphins friend said, Stephen Ross needs to write his bleep a humongous check. Yes. So, yeah. right. It's going to be, yeah, we'll see. His retirement could literally last like a week. Listen, <laughs> I mean, go to Miami and, and just stay retired, but coach the Dolphins. Yeah, that's so actually like, a good point. That's what Jimmy Johnson did. That's what he did. And yeah. it was a disaster, but it was probably great for him. It was I mean, a disaster is a bit strong for the Jimmy Johnson. I he did lose 63 7 in the playoffs, but. I was a fan. It was a disaster. Yeah, uh, it, was, it wasn't great. Uh, real, real quick, uh, on of 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 running backs who saw at least half their team's carries this year, uh, Alvin Kamara's elusive rating was was right around uh, Leonard Fournette um, and Sony Michelle. So it's uh, you know not two, the best. Two uh, those are two running backs playing deep into the playoffs. Denny, I don't know what you're they're, talking about. You're right. They're winners. They are winners. <laughs> they're winners. <laughs> Uh, after Derrick Henry, the next biggest name on this list is Devontae Adams. How in the world should dynasty managers approach Aaron Rodgers' uncertain future and Devontae Adams' free agency when it comes to evaluating Devontae Adams, who remained the best all-around receiver in the NFL still in 2022? But he just has so many variables, quarterback variables, team variables. I do think he'll be back with the Packers, even though they're in salary cap hell. They're going to find some way to put the franchise tag on this guy. I don't know how they'll do it, but they always – Every time I think, oh, they're $1.2 billion over the salary cap, they still somehow always like franchise tag an edge rusher for $21 million. I think he'll probably be back at the Packers. But what are your thoughts on Devontae Adams and Dynasty going going forward? Yeah, it is a uh, – they can't keep getting away with this kind of situation. It is. They're $45 million over the cap. I think that they're the only. I think the only real option with Devontae Adams, if if the Packers are intent on keeping him around, is to slap the franchise tag on him. I, I, but I can't imagine that he would be willing to come back if Rodgers is gone. What he, he's he's going to waste one of the last years in the prime of his career catching passes from Jordan Love? No, I think he'll do it if. So, it's weird. The best way for him to actually come back would be, for the Packers' point of view, an extension with a really low. 2022 cap number so if they're actually willing to give him like the five-year deal he's gonna want I, I think he'll sign it it's just hard to see them actually doing that and it's such a it's, it's just a situation one of those like kind of like brain buster situations that on january 25th the day we're recording this there's kind of just no realistic way to actually prognosticate this one but because the easiest way yeah, to keep him would be with a multi-year extension that keeps his cap number down yeah this year and like he'll sign he'll probably I mean, I'm, he's a competitor, but I mean, he's I'm sure he likes money. And if they give him the deal that he deserves, I think he will sign it. Yeah. And this is the, you know, he's 28 years old. This is the last major deal he's going to get uh, from, from whoever gives it to him. Yeah. Matt LaFleur said, said Tuesday that they, there would be no rebuild, uh, which is something any coach would say. I'm not breaking news here, but, <laughs> uh, but that, that was in response to Aaron Rodgers saying, I will not be part of a rebuild. Uh, so I guess there's an outside chance that they keep everybody, and by everybody I mean Adams and, and Rodgers, because that's the whole offense apparently, as we saw against the 49ers. They'll they'll keep them together for one more year maybe, but there I think there is a pretty rough transition coming from Packers. Well, it's a really good sign that Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur are already communicating through the media. Yes, you, you always love to see that. Um. I, I I do wonder, can, can these guys talk? Can we get them in a room together? Have they ever talked? <laughs> Rogers too was like used to be famous for like never giving anything up to the media. Now all he gives up, uh, some would say, far too much to the media these days. Real quick, Devontae, I think 
it's another situation dynasty where people might get a little too scared by the uncertainty. But I think he's still the best receiver in the league. And even if it's Jordan Love, even if he stays with the Packers, even if he plays with Jordan Love, it's not like he's not going to get twelve targets a game. You know? No, but uh, I don't even I don't even know if you could draft him as a top five receiver. Yeah, it's going to be Jordan tough. Love. It's going to be t- yeah, I don't know. it will be tough. Yeah, it- Jordan Love is Jordan Love is bad. Also, the 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 connection and this is this is tough to measure statistically, but uh, the connection between Rodgers and Adams is just absurd preternatural it's preternatural yes. that that's the word i was looking for and yes. it really is it, 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 it just it shows itself every week there's no situation that they can't get out from under uh uh it, it it's incredible so uh, you know he's not going to have that with love also jordan love's not good also the offense is probably going to be bad I, you know i don't know we think aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams doing work for the washington commanders in 2022 oh baby now we're talking <laughs> uh, we're, we are cooking with oil now we are gabriel davis is 22 years old and just had a four touchdown <laughs> divisional round game denny stefan diggs is going on 29 and while he had a very good year it was much quieter than his 2020 are we having changing fortunes in the bills receiver core and dynasty or can this be steph diggs still an elite dynasty player and gabriel davis is just still an ascending dynasty league player what is the lay of the land with these bills receivers well, I think the uh, perception of Gabriel Davis went from uh, underrated fantasy asset to uh, number one receiver in NFL history. I'm glad to have him on my team. I'll say after, that. After uh, bidding starts at three first rounders. After that explosion against Kansas City. So any idea that one may have had going into the offseason, I'm, that I'm, I'm going to acquire Gabriel Davis – on the cheap that's dead you're it's dead it's like dead. you're you're, you're going to have to give up the whole house in order to acquire Again, Gabriel three, Davis. three rounders it's just this is a starting point yeah you know um it is it is funny uh, every fantasy analyst worth worth his or her salt last summer said uh bills should get Dave, Gabriel Davis into the offense as a full-time player and uh and the bills said Instead, we're going to have a 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders who hasn't been good in eight years. We're going to have him do do the thing. He's, he's going to be the wide receiver too. Uh, and then as soon as they gave the full-time gig to Davis, he goes berserk. I'm just saying that sometimes we're right. You know, sometimes the fantasy people are right. But anyway, about about uh, about him and Diggs. I, no, I, I mean I think that if if you if you want Davis now, you're going to have to be prepared to just pay every pay up all the way to acquire him. But I also think, like on the other side, Diggs Diggs is probably a very underrated asset. This yeah, I was going to say, do you think he's to the point where he's like undervalued? Even though yeah. you know he's in his late twenties now, but he I think he's still only like twenty eight and should still have two or three years of like really solid prime left. So his his usage stats and almost all of his peripheral numbers. We're, we're fine this year. Uh, you know, our colleague Pat Crane pointed this out in several columns uh, throughout the season. It all looks good. Like uh, for my target Dakota column, I, I, I once wrote a ridiculous amount saying, I, I don't see anything that says that the Bills are not treating him as the same kind of receiver that he was in 2020. Now, the touchdown, you know, touchdowns are fluky. Touchdowns are volatile. We know that. The touchdown didn't happen this year. They just they just didn't. Also, the the deep the deep connections also volatile didn't didn't happen for him. So I, I do think that he could be a guy who is undervalued headed into next season. Yeah, absolutely. And with Gabe Davis, I mean, we know that we get like too excited about players, but you know, someone we were already excited about. 
I do think it's worth like getting very bullish on him because again, he was a fourth round rookie who forced his way onto the field last year. They, that doesn't really happen. He's a guy this year where the, the second they gave him the opportunity he deserved this year, he immediately took advantage of it and just started going nuts down the stretch. It wasn't like this four touchdown game was totally out of nowhere. He had started producing again down the stretch uh, when he got the opportunity and, you know, coming in the NFL from USF, his profile was a guy who caught 20, who caught deep balls, who did huge damage on, on targets of over 20 plus yards. He's lived up to that now both years in the NFL. He has maybe the biggest armed quarterback in the NFL and Josh. It's just hard. It's, I feel like it's a situation where we should just believe what we're seeing. Like, okay, yeah, this guy just really is awesome. It's not like in our head. It's not like, you know, one of these like, things we cling to in dynasty. It's, it's not like some dead end situation. Like this is going to be the year right. <laughs> for Jalen Darden. Like uh, it, it seems to be quite for real. Oh yeah. And if you want to go out and make an aggressive offer for Gabriel Davis, it's not dumb. Yeah. Uh, back to Diggs for one second. I, you know, Stefan Diggs was second in air yards only behind Justin Jefferson and by a good amount, by the way. But um, you know, so, so his, like I said, everything points to him still maintaining that that absolute number one uh, role in a very productive and very usually pass-heavy uh, Buffalo offense. You mean Steph Diggs could finish as the wide receiver one next year? Sure. It wouldn't be crazy at all. So absolutely stay the course of Stephon Diggs. Because, again, the receiver was big enough for the two of them. Like, it's big enough for a huge Stephon Diggs year and, a, like, a thousand-yard take-a-step-forward oh, yeah. Gabriel Davis year. There's more than enough room for both those outcomes in this Bills receiver core. Another situation with Packers type uncertainty is the Bucks skill core, as we highlighted with Tom Brady, uh, considering retirement. It's most notable with Chris Godwin, who is still only 26 in February, but he's recovering from a torn ACL. He's going to have free agent uncertainty, his quarterback uncertainty. I think the odds that he re-signed with the Bucks actually really went up when he suffered the injury, because now he might be forced to take you know, like a one-year prove-it type deal. So I think there's pretty solid odds he'll actually be back with the Bucks, but is he just too risky, or is, is he is, is he someone the fantasy managers should be like trying to like pounce and get a bargain on Chris Godwin, or is it just too risky of a situation? Just let it develop and whatever happens happens. Uh, I, I I do think that there's a fair amount of risk baked in to to his situation. I, it, because it really, it, it all hinges on Brady coming back, you know, um, I, 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 and I don't know, like we talked about earlier, I don't know how, how likely that is. I, you know, the, these type of injuries used to be way more scary than they are today. Um, you know, that I, I don't, I don't doubt that Chris Godwin will, will, will come back at a hundred percent, but you know, if just like with the Packers, like if they have a subpar quarterback in there, you know, Chris Godwin is, is, is going to have a huge drop in probably in efficiency in pro- overall production. Uh, I know he did it with, with James Winston, but that was in an, I was going to ex- say he has done it with two different quarterbacks. Extremely high, but that was extremely high volume, very aggressive. The play, the, the pieces all fell into place that, that season for that Bucks offense to uh, generate two huge seasons for, for Mike Evans and, and Godwin. So uh, I I don't I don't know if we can if we can count on that going forward. We do know that he's lost the variable Chris Godwin of one of the greatest receivers in league history being in the receiver core. Because I don't think the Bucks will be resigning Antonio Brown. Seems 
unlikely. It's not. It's not. You can't. Uh, you can get good odds in Vegas if you want to go. In there. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, Denny. If Tom Brady retires, do you know which former number one overall pick who is still only in his twenties is a free agent this offseason, Denny? No, it's Jameis Winston, and it might be time for the prodigal son to come home hey. to Bruce Arians. And command fantasy wide receiver one seasons for both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You could do way worse if you're the Bucks. I actually think there would be like a five to ten percent chance of that happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. I used the word finishing school early. He went to Sean Payton finishing school. Yeah, come back to Tampa, sling the ball around the yard. Right. He he's skinny, Jameis. Now it's he yeah. had he had LASIK. He had LASIK. I was gonna say he can see. Uh, it seems like a pretty big development in his career. I think I would. I think I would be trying to acquire Chris Godwin and die. Maybe I'm getting too galaxy brain, but the guy is a number one. If a team lets him be a number one, like you said, ACL it happened late in the year, but pretty good chance he'll be ready for Week One. They said the recovery has gotten a lot more straightforward. We see guys come back very strongly. I mean, he's done it with Jameis Winston before time. I think. He 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 will be a really really undervalued dynasty league player. I mean, it's before Tom Brady announces he's coming back. Maybe take advantage of the uncertainty. Put an offer out there. Yeah, Chris Godwin. Uh, elsewhere in this Bucks receiver core is Mike Evans. Is he getting into Derrick Henry territory where he's a big bodied guy? He's taken a ton of hits. He's within striking distance of thirty years old. Is it time to start like sunsetting Mike Evans in dynasty leagues, or is he another guy too? Just Stay the course, ride it out, or or a situation too where like if you know there's gonna be skepticism in Mike Evans. Should you be trying to make offers to get Mike Evans on the cheap? Oh man, yeah, I a guy like Mike Evans, this just enormous receiver, d- doesn't age well. Typically, really, really do- does not age well. No. So I would I would be really hesitant to. Um, to kind of over, I don't know, overthink it out, outthink myself and be like, you know what? No, no, no. He's the exception. We're, we're going, we're going in on, on, on getting Evans at 28 years old. He's 28, right? That's what you said. He is, I believe he's 28. Yeah. I said striking distance of 30, which I think was a euphemism for 30, for 28. Uh, yeah. Otherwise I would have just said he's going to turn 30. That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. Um, he's yeah. practically 30. I mean, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it, it would take a lot of faith. Um, in Mike Evans, the player, to to really want to acquire him this offseason. I will say that 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 um, you know scenario where Tampa brings back Jameis Winston would be <laughs> would would accelerate you know uh, um, the the Mike Mike Evans one more shot type storyline. It is interesting, Mike Evans, but he turns twenty nine in August, by the way. So yeah, I mean, he's practically thirty. Well, I mean, the guy, he's 18 months shy of 30 or 30. <laughs> uh, a weird thing about Mike Evans is that he is never, he's not a PPR guy. Past three oh, reception no. totals are 67, 70, and 74. So it's kind of like when you're trading for him, like, what are you even really getting? I mean, you're getting 13 touchdowns the past two years. But it is kind of, yeah, maybe that's one to not galaxy brain. <laughs> Mike well, Evans. his his production with Brady has been different than it was with Winston in that Brady has you know, especially in 2020, just force fed Evans in the red zone and especially inside the 10 yard line. Um, you know, that, that's not how he made his, his, that's not how he produced for fantasy with Winston. And uh, so un- unless that's like part of the team's offense to just throw it to uh, Mike Evans, every time they get within striking distance of the end zone, then um, I, I could see him taking 
a pretty significant step back in, in 2022. We got a few more of these. I mean, Leonard Fournette is heading to free agency. Uh, there's basically no way this dynamic is recreated. Even if he resigns with the Bucks, I feel like this PPR Leonard Fournette dynamic can't be created. Like he finally got a little better as a pass catcher, like where he wasn't letting it clang off his hands every time. But it seems like they still don't actually want him to be like the pass catching hurry up back, do they? It seems like they do. According to my lineups where I played Gio Bernard last week, it seems <laughs> like they really are fine with it. And I, I don't I don't get it. But uh, Bruce Arians put, has, puts a lot of trust in players. He really trusts Leonard Fournette to carry the, the workload and to be the, the pass catching back. You know, I, I, nothing against Lombardi Lenny. He seems like a, a perfectly fine guy. I will say that the, the Brady-led Bucks offense produces so many expected fantasy points. When Fournette was out in the wild card round, uh, the the Tampa running backs combined for 40 expected fantasy points. 40. Oh, man. So what I'm saying is that almost any running back can do what Fournette is doing. There's no reason. It actually is true. Needs it, to bring him back. It is the role. and not. But, but you said he seems like a good guy. Tell that to Tom Coughlin, who fined him for sitting on the Jaguars bench wrong oh, yes. when he was hurt. Just monstrous behavior. He Yo, sat on the bench wrong. I forgot about that. I think yeah. he find him literally because he like laughed, like he was he was <laughs> injured and he didn't like that he was sitting on the bench. He like wanted him to stand, and then Leonard Fournette oh. was like, he's like, I was hurt. I'm like it, it's the I important be on my feet. <laughs> you know, with the Jags, it's always the important things. Um, you know, they, they they really focus on the critical aspects. Like of, I was hurt. Like yeah. I don't keep me off my feet. Doesn't that make sense? And then he like laughed. And then he got fined. I think he also. I think the NFLPA got that fine rescinded because it was so bad. Um, <laughs> That's the most Mike uh, or uh, wait, who, Tom who Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. I want to say Mike Coughlin. Yeah, uh, it's the most Tom Coughlin thing I've ever heard. It was. Uh, Devin Singletary became a starter down the stretch, but now he's headed into the final year of his rookie deal. Even though Devin Singletary was good after finally be given, being given like the every down role the Bills might still want to try to get better in their backfield. Do you think he makes sense as a sell high in, in Dynasty, Denny, or should you just – you have a new asset with a new role, just ride it out and be happy with Devin Singletary for 2022? I tend to say, you know, to go with the latter. I think that, you know, if I, I'm going to cite elusive rating for the 15th time in the show, but he was fourth. He was fourth among all running backs uh, and, and, ju- and really, really solid in the second half of the season – but his, you know, th- those peripheral stats, like uh, yards before contact, yards after contact, they were always good for Devin Singletary. It was, it was always kind of a mystery as to why he wasn't getting the full workload or why the team really wouldn't commit to him as the every down back, and especially the early down back. You know, because for a while they were using, they were sprinkling him in as a as a pass catcher, but not not the early down guy. Um, so that that was always a mystery. But once once they finally committed. To that, and also the philosophical shift to to a more uh, a balanced offense, um, using six offensive linemen uh, occasionally in the season's final weeks to to really establish the run uh, is was was good to see. I, I think that and, you know, despite Brian Dable definitely being gone, uh, I think that that he is he did prove himself as. Uh, as as the guy, as the guy who's going to head into next season as the primary ball carrier. 
Yeah, and I thought he was always clearly better than Zach Moss. I just yes. wasn't sure what this dalliance with Zach Moss. I mean, they wanted the power near the goal line, but he just never provided that. Devin Singletary's a better pass catcher. He's just a better pure runner. I never thought it never made any sense, and they thankfully learned that lesson before it's too late. And I think in theory, they would still maybe want to have like a better overall running game where you might be getting leery of having to rely so much on Josh Allen scrambles. You know, they learned too that midway through the season that they, they just couldn't put it all on the, like they needed some sort of backup plan. So the Bills do seem more serious about the run, but this is hard to see them investing like serious draft or free agent capital. In the right. I, as far as dynasty goes, I, I'm sure people are, are, pointing out as we speak that Devin Singletary will be 25 years old by the start of next season. You know, it's not, not exactly young uh, for, for a guy who just it's not young, of, young, but like, I mean, he's, yeah, he, he's, he's going to be sort of young for a fourth year pro. You're right. It's not young, young in terms of like dynasty asset running backs, like usually like 22, but like, but like establishing pro. himself at 24. Yeah, yeah. That is a red flag. That is true. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, never mind. We're dumb. Um, just actually just don't even try just release Stephen Singletary. Uh, I'm just saying I'm just saying I'm not I'm you know if you have him on your roster what I'm saying is don't 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 say absolutely not you know like yeah, yeah, like, abs- no that's true it's actually probably a open. very sensible token to cash yeah. in um, if you have Devin Singletary around yeah just just cut him just resist him don't, don't get in any bad situations Devin Singletary just cut him <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that I, you know but yeah, do do not do that that's it on the dynasty talk real quick to end the show. We're going to have a, a much longer preview for the championship games on Thursday with myself, Matt Strout, Denny and John Daigle. But we thought we would take a look at the one key matchup in both of this weekend's conference championship games. Denny, what do you think the key matchup is in the Bengals trip to Kansas city? Will the chiefs uh, shade coverage and or double team Jamar chase because that is something they refused to do as Jamar Chase just eviscerated them uh, in their late season matchup. Uh, so, you know, and, and the, the, the Chiefs, they have, to, they, they have to give their defenders some help containing Jamar Chase. The Titans did this last week um, <laughs> against Chase. You know, didn't exactly contain him totally, um, but, you know, way more than the, the Kansas City secondary did in that late season mass matchup. So I, th- I think that that will be a, like a critical element to how this game will go. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to overthink. I mean, Jamar chase is probably the single most important player in this game in terms of an X factor. I mean, he had, he had the 16th most receiving yards in NFL history. The last two times, the last time these two teams played in December with his 266. And oh. we've been, I've my, one of my early talking points in the game is, like there's no one real area where the Bengals have the advantage on the Chiefs. Even with the top two weapons, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you probably still rather take Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But the real advantage, I mean, could just be I mean, Jamar Chase is almost nearing the point where like he's like the best non-quarterback on the field in any game where he's playing, and there seems to be almost no path to victory for the Bengals where Jamar Chase does not go just totally nuts. Right, and the Chiefs could be missing Tyron Matthew. In the concussion protocol, they did just allow a 200-yard game to Gabriel Davis. And just can Jamar Chase go nuts again against this Chiefs team? It, it is tough that he just fa- – like he's not taking them by surprise this week. And that, that's a pretty tough factor for the Bengals. But yeah. I, I think it's the single most important 
matchup in this entire game is Jamar Chase versus the Chiefs secondary. Uh, Chase has gotten to the point where he had a 100-yard game last week, and it felt very disappointing. It felt, it felt, <laughs> it felt like, a, like a letdown. Yeah, he has 642 yards over his past five games. That's a lot. It's a lot, as the Zoomers would say. Denny, what is the key matchup for 49ers at Rams? You know, I honestly, and it it seems very simple and self-explanatory, but can Jimmy Garoppolo not break his team's spine in half against the Rams? Can he not make this, these brutal, brutal uh, mistakes down the stretch or at any point in the game, really, because the team has everything going for it. You know, Debo Samuel is just like taking souls on every, every time he touches the ball. Elijah Mitchell is producing when given the chance i mean and given a monster workload um whenever he's healthy uh you know they they have george kittle if i guess if they ever need to pass but it's you know jimmy garoppolo how honestly how many almost pick sixes did he throw against the packers it was quite literally three or four yeah i I counted three it could have been four maybe one i blacked out on i mean i i actually was like like jumping up like covering my eyes when he threw some of those balls so if he can't improve, I, you know, and the, the, he has the thumb thing, he has the shoulder thing. I, I, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can be solid and, and the team would have to then rely on crazy things like a block punt for a touchdown to win. So if he, if he can't be better, then I think the Niners lose pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, he was throwing wounded doves in Green Bay, basically. And it'll be good for him to get out of the sub-zero weather when you've got two injuries. I mean, can't imagine the way a thumb feels yeah. when it's zero degrees. So mm-hmm. maybe just by virtue of that alone, it'll be better. But yeah, it's another thing where you, I, there's there's no, like, no – you don't need any deeper thought to this game. It comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's going to have to make plays. Like, they're not going to get by on – they're not going to be able to hide Jimmy in this game. Right. Basically, the way they were able to the past two weeks, he's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to not give the game away. And I, I really do think it's as simple as the game coming down to that. And we'll, we'll go much deeper on this on Thursday, though. Thinking myself, Denny, John, and Matt. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out Denny's excellent conference championship preview when it posts later this week. They've been just amazing through the wild card divisional rounds. I will be reading it. Thank you. Denny, um, check out we just everything. We've got a lot of good stuff. Pat Crane's walkthrough coming later this week. Our daily doses every day, breaking down the news, heading into the conference championship game. So stay on the site. Just wait for the next podcast. It's coming Thursday. For Denny, I'm Pat. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.